You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a lot of basketball. I'll be your host this week, Greg Poon. This is my first time hosting, so it's going to be pretty bad. Get ready. Uh, this week, I'm here with Jake. Usually the two-man pod with me and Jake is the best you can do. But we decided to make it a little bit better. We got a newcomer, my college roommate, Trent Beelan. Trent, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Jake, how are you? That was just an electric opening. We've got... <laughs> Greg admitting he's going to be bad <laughs> right off the rip. I love it. I'm I'm excited. We uh we missed everyone last week because it was uh turkey season or whatever. But I'm I'm excited. The and NBA season's in full swing. And that and that's the show. Thanks for coming. We will see you again <laughs> in three weeks. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start us off with some news that came out today. Blake Griffin. He's supposed to be out for a couple months. Doc Rivers said he saw him get injured, and it didn't look good. So the Clippers were already struggling. They, I think they lost like eight or something in a row, maybe more than that. Lost the Knicks, who were a really good team. So that's that. I didn't mean that as a negative thing. They used to be. But they, they're actually only about, I don't know, a game or – two games out of the playoffs because the eighth seed in the West isn't really doing too hot. So they still had a chance with Gallinari coming back and with those, they still had uh, Blake and DeAndre, but now Blake's out. So what do you guys think about the Clippers outlook now? Let's start with you, Trent. Let's see what you got. Bring it. Well, did you guys see that uh, when, after he got hurt, uh, was it Doc Rivers said someone fell into Blake's knee and he didn't realize it was his own son? Or just didn't notice it was his own son because Lonzo knocked him into it. Um, but this is classic Blake Griffin, though. Like, I feel like every year something terrible happens to him, and they all seem to be somewhat incidental outside of the time he punched that guy in the face um, and broke his hand. Uh, but it's every year he gets hurt again and again. Uh, and this is the risk that the Clippers took when they signed him. They knew this guy's injury-prone all the time. This guy's always hurt. We always have him out. And they used to be able to have Chris Paul to – hold down the fort while he was out, but now they don't. And Beverly's out and T Dosage is out and Gallinari is out. And they're sitting with Blake Griffin, Austin Rivers, and Montrezl Harrell, who, you know, I like Montrezl Harrell. So maybe he's the future of the team. Yeah, I mean I think that's probable that Montrez Harrell will just step right in and replace Blake Griffin and we won't even notice that he's gone. I mean I'm I'm here to tell everyone that that's not going to happen. Um I this this was kind of the transition year for the Clippers, right? It was kind of, you know what, give it to Blake, see if he can stay healthy, kind of do some of the point forward thing. Um, you know, they they brought in a lot of funky pizza pieces pizzas. They brought in Beverly, they brought in Teodosic. How do you say that name? Milos, our our favorite player, um, and they got all those young guys from the Rockets, just trying to figure it out, including now All Star Montrez Harrell, apparently. 
But um, yeah, I mean, I I think the fire sales. I mean, when you say fire sale, that's kind of tough in the NBA because that doesn't happen too easily. I I mean, I think DeAndre's on the way out. Um, and and I know that's that's kind of been the sexy topic, especially with that one team that got off to the hot start in the Eastern Conference. But I the the other thing that I think was kind of the icing on the cake was. I mean, for years, the Clippers were, like, kind of that sexy team. Like, can they figure it out? Like, Chris Paul, DeAndre, Blake, um, some really fun teams. And once Chris Paul left, you kind of knew, okay, you know, this is an era of superstars. That seems like it's out the window. And the interesting thing I heard from Adrian Woj, Woj today, Woj Bomb, was that they, before this season, they invested a ton in their scouting department. And I, I think they brought in Lawrence Frank and a couple other kind of old NBA names. And they they know that's when they're heading. I just don't think they knew which kind of timeline they were, are, were on. So, I, I mean, I think the Blake being out for two months is, is the icing on the cake. And now it's just a matter of how do they go about it. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, like you said, they were kind of in a transition here. But they were also – they seem to be like – I don't know about going for it, but they were going for like a high playoff seed when they spent all that money on Blake and Gallinari. Yeah, they were definitely going for it. I mean, they re-signed Blake for what's twenty-one? I have it up right now. Twenty-one, twenty-two. He's going to get paid thirty-nine million dollars a year. It's a lot of quiche. And yeah, what's well, player option? So if he opts in, I'm going to go ahead and assume he's going to opt in. Uh, but like, I mean, they paid Gallinari a bunch of money. Another injury-prone guy. Like they don't. Their expiring contracts this year are basically Lou Williams. Willie Reed, Harrell, Bryce Johnson. And then, I mean, Tito Sitch will opt in. Wesley Johnson will opt in to $6 million. Austin Rivers is going to opt in to 12 It's like, those aren't exactly tradable contracts. The only person they can really trade is Lou Williams and Willie Reed and Harrell, I guess. But Bryce Johnson barely seen the floor at the time he's been with the Clippers. So I'm not really sure what they want to do because like, they definitely thought, okay, we're going to compete. We don't need Blake. You know, we don't need Chris Paul. We can survive with Blake running point. And it hasn't really worked out that way. And, be fair, they thought they were going to have Beverly. They thought they were going to have Tidosich, and they don't. Um, and they can kind of do what the Spurs did with Duncan back in, what, 96, where they just punt on the season, hope for a high pick, and then run it back with a team of veterans. I think the real question is DeAndre. What do they do with him? Because he's somewhat, he's the only player on their team who can fit, fetch them, like, real value, and he still has a player option. So assuming he opts in, which he probably will because the cap's flattening out and – 24 million is probably more than anyone else will be able to pay him next year. So if he opts into wherever they trade him to get real value for that back, but outside of him, I'm not really sure what else they're going to be able to do. Two girls like Lou will. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's going to opt in though. I mean, I don't think that centers are going to be getting that 24 million anymore in today's NBA, but, you secure he might want to secure the long term deal. That's what some people do. Just get rid of the risk. He just saw Blake Griffin get hurt. So maybe he's thinking, hey, I don't I'll cash in while I'm still good. It's true. And by yeah. that time, by twenty nineteen, twenty twenty two, people will be hitting the cap like the tops the the Chandler Parsons, Joe Noah's will still be sitting there with their highest salaries on the books the rest of that season. So I'm not sure who's gonna have money to even pay him that much. You just named the best players in the league right now, Joe Noah and Chandler Parsons. I mean, Joe Noah uh, played last – I think he put up, what, two two points last night? He had a yeah, great, he had a block. Kind three, of block. Was it a block? Three, three minutes played. Well, I saw take. the replay. I don't think he got any hand on the ball, but he, 
he made it seem like he got the block. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Fake it till you make it. Uh, you know what? I, I think DeAndre still has value. His numbers are a little down this year, which we expected. Kind of sans Chris Paul when all of your <laughs> 70% of your baskets are, you know, alley-oops you grab 12 feet above above the floor. But, I I mean, I think he gets traded. Um and I, I think, like you said, you're, you know, you start looking at the contracts and those pieces. And I, again, I'm, I'm no Tom Penn. I wish I was with that hair. But um, I, I mean, I think DeAndre's out the door. He still adds a lot of defensive value, um, the rebounding. And I, you know, the opt in part's interesting. I think <laughs> it's kind of a win win for some teams. I, I think <laughs> you, you kind of want him. But I think, like Greg said, I think he, he probably doesn't get that, like, Max, Max, if, if that's what he was on before. I mean, Lou Will's out. They, you know, they'll get something for him. I, you know, I, I really hadn't thought about that yet. With, with this draft class coming out, and it's actually, it's a lot of bigs. Um, once, once you get through kind of the, um, you know, Luka Doncic, the star players, um, you know, Mo Bamba, all, all these guys, Aiton from Arizona. So if you can trade DeAndre Jordan, get a nice asset back, and then just plug one of those guys in, you're kind of slowly starting that rebuild. You can see what you've got with those guys in on a decent team, and then it becomes easier if you're going to move Blake or Gallo or one of those guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like what I'm hearing. You're making a lot of sense. But my thing with, with college bigs is a lot of the time college bigs are just, just way bigger than the, the people that they're playing against. And then when they get to the NBA, <laughs> they're no longer bigger. Like Jaleel Okafor, we were like, this guy can't miss. He's so unbelievably good. Gets the NBA. He could still score. He did a good job scoring his, his rookie year, but the, the rest of playing basketball was, was less for him. So, I'd stay. We I I always like to stay weary of uh, college big men. So maybe don't listen to Jake Clippers. Don't listen to Jake. Keep keep that rule. All right, we want to move on. Anybody got anything else on the Clippers? Uh, no, I don't think uh, Doc Rivers has anything else on the Clippers either. I think he would rather just get out now. It's too true. Yeah. And our next top story yesterday, Dave Fisdale got fired from the Grizzlies after an eight-game losing streak. Started the season 7-4, <clears throat> and four, is currently 7-12. and 12. Um, He benched Marcus Gasol for the fourth quarter of a game. Mike Conley got injured, and he's out for a couple months, which had a lot to do with the losing streak. Uh, and But, sorry, Dave, you're fired. He, he went 43-39 and 39 last year. And seven and twelve this year. Those are only two seasons, so maybe premature. I don't know what Memphis is thinking. Do you guys think it's a fair or foul firing? Fair or foul firing? Do I, do I have to pick one or the other? Fair or foul? Firing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I pick firing. No, I, I'm I'm actually okay with this. Everyone's, you know, everyone's kind of hot off the press. It's it's a very early in the season firing. I. You know, it, it sounds like you're st- it's star players, the coach, and management. Everyone's got to get along. You know, you wonder for every team, the power struggle is a little different, but depending 
what kind of coach you got, what kind of front office you got, what kind of star you got. You know, LeBron fired David Blatt. Let's, <laughs> you got to call a spade a spade at a certain point. Uh, and Marcus Gasol kind of wasn't in what Fisdale was doing, and I guess it was a lot of the, you know, new NBA. You got to be fast. You got to jack threes. That's not his game. And, you know, the benching was kind of the pinnacle or opposite of pinnacle, the low point. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. At, at the end of the day, though, you know, what what would have been the best case scenario here? Conley's out. Uh, Fisdale's not getting along with the star. The Grizzlies season is going downhill. I I think Fisdale almost saved some face here. Like, yeah, you didn't get along with your star player, which is a bad look in the NBA. But at the end of the day, he's kind of got a 500 record coaching on a team that isn't expected to do a lot more, or a lot worse than this. He's still got a lot of allies in the league. I'm I'm kind of fine with this. Yeah, I'm not worried about Fizdale. I mean, I think Fizdale will be fine. Everybody likes him. LeBron with Dame Willard or tweeting about how they're – like, how could this happen, you know, whatever. And I mean, I'm sure Fizdale's bummed. He's upset. He doesn't get why this happened. But he'll be fine. The weird thing is I just don't get why they would do this. Like, you know your star point guard's hurt, and you can't win games in the NBA without someone who can handle the ball. Like, and the rest of your roster is, I'll say, not great. Like you're just you're basically have a two man game that you struck out with with 43 wins last year. Come in, your star point guard gets hurt with an Achilles, is kind of banged up all year, and you know it's weird too because Fizz and Gasol are kind of known as two, you know, good guys in the league. Like everyone seems to like them. They're good teammates. They work hard. They play for you know with their city. They they put in all the work, and they couldn't get along, and they just. You know, your star player makes a couple comments post game after a loss, and and you just immediately fire your coach. And I'm sure there was more to it, but it seems weird. Like two guys with pretty good reps just get fired almost immediately, or one guy gets hired almost immediately just for after he benches a star player. And I'm sure there has to be more to it than that. It just does seem weird, and it also shows their hand too. A lot of people are saying they should tank, they should punt, and I don't know if they should do that because you're Memphis, you can't get free agents as well as other people can, but. And you still have two good players who, frankly, their games will probably age decently well as long as they stay healthy. Conley and Conley doesn't move fast, so as a point guard, he should be fine. And, and Gasol now that he has a three should also be better too. But on this back, we're going to keep going. And they have a pick, a first-round pick this year. But after that, they got to give up the next one of the Celtics. They don't have any young players on their team who are really flashing anything too impressive, unless you count Tyreek Evans, which I don't. Dylan Brooks is okay, like – Deontay Davis, who really knows what he's going to be. But they're going to keep running with it. And there's value in being successful. They've been in the playoffs seven years in a row, and this year doesn't look like year number eight. But come back next year strong. Maybe, you know, give Chandler Parsons a bionic knee, and you can last a few more years. But it just seems like a weird choice given the state of the team this year based on injury and the future of the team based on who they have on the roster and what contracts they're working with. Yeah, and uh, one thing I want to bring up is – like Trent said, this is Memphis. This is smallest market in the NBA, I think. And they've been competitive. So you think their management has been, been doing a really great job. And they have. But I'm looking now at, at their, their coaching situation. And so their last three coaches, Fisdale, just got fired 19 games into his second season after making the playoffs last year. Dave Jurger, Jurger made the playoffs three years, was over, over 500. Each year, he basically tried to fire himself. He asked to interview for other positions while I still have the job, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, you can go play." And he wanted to—he wanted to go coach the Kings, which just tells you how unideal coaching the Grizzlies was apparently for him. Yeah, 
And then last but not least, Lionel Hollins, 56 and 26, lost Western Conference Finals, and they didn't bring him back. So, what are we thinking about the Clippers or the the Grizz management and their coaching? Do they are they like shooting a little bit too high? I don't know who do they think they are. Yeah, I mean, I Dave Dave Yerger Yeager, one of my favorite Wikipedia reads by the way if, if you haven't checked it out he coached in some league where he went like undefeated for five years <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't sound right but it's awesome um yeah and it's you know it's it's easy to say copy and paste models but man when I look at this team and we're in an NBA you know you you we talked about Montrez Harrell a little bit who you know Montrez Harrell is going to have a spot in this league he's a bouncy power forward he can do some things for you Man, you look at this Memphis roster, and you're always looking at guys that you're like, what? Like, I I mean, you can make an argument Dylan Brooks has been, like, the third best player on their team this year, and he's a, a second-round rookie. Um, I, I just don't know. It, it feels like there's a lack of talent in certain parts that, you know, I, I would like them to see get, get another big lotto pick in there, and it's looking like this year <laughs> has to be the year. Um, but, you know, the, the other big news in sports today was, you know, the University of Tennessee and what what a mess they're hiring their coach process has been. And, you know, it's because Tennessee has this feeling like they're a historic program, this, that, and the other, but they really haven't been in about two decades. So I don't know. I, you know, in my head, I, I want to say something like do the, and it sounds so lame, you know, do do the Celtics, do the Brad Stevens thing, go out. Get yourself a young coach who's who's proven himself somewhat, and say, you know, let's make this a program. Let's we're gonna get a good draft pick this year. You've already got a couple pieces to play with, and you know, let's let's build into something. You know, maybe Dylan Brooks is something. Maybe James Ennis is something. I I don't know. You for Memphis and what they've done. Yeah, I mean those the Lionel Hollins firing. That everyone was like, <laughs> really Memphis? Like I. <laughs> Love what you're doing, but come on. Yeah, and I think I do think Dylan Brooks will be okay. He's, he's a role player in this league. He'll he'll be in this league for a while. I think he, he does. He has the job. He can shoot. He can score a little bit. He's you know a, a good size wing. Um, James Ennis has proved himself to be a pretty competent, like decent player. Um, even though everyone was like James Ennis, really, you're giving him starters minutes. Um, and which is I think the crazier part too. They've had all this coaching turnover. They don't seem to be very patient. There was a rumor that Robert Parra tried to fire Dave Yeager five games into his tenure as head coach. And, like, that's just – if you're going to be that impatient, you have no chance to ever be successful as an NBA franchise. And the fact that they've made the playoffs seven years in a row means, like, the grit and grind era of the Grizzlies, whether it's Conley Gasol or if you want to include Tony Allen and Zebo with them too, like, they made something and in, in won in spite of any sort of – ownership issues, any sort of coaching issues. You're like three coaches later, they're still in a lot of ways, very similar team kind of grinding out wins, really a slow pace. They shoot a few more threes than they used to, but if they don't, people hate playing them because they don't make it easy on you. Cause they just, they make you play at their pace and they just poke and prod away until they're done. Um, and we'll see what Ivan Rabbi comes. We'll see what, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of who else is on this team. I'm like, look, uh, that's basically it. Jermichael <laughs> Green, I guess, is an expiring contract. I'm lit. Rio Chalmers, like this is so. They got a Harrison but, twin. Aaron. They did. Andrew Aaron, Harrison. Jerome. He's Martin, doing a lot of minutes for them too. Kobe. Like, a lot of minutes. Ben McLemore. Hey, how, how's your day? 
and you never know. Like, so they're clearly they're developing well, whether it's the culture, whether it's Gasol and Conley, like they've hitched themselves to something pretty good that is, you know, they're not going to win the title, but 12 teams have won the title since 1980 or whatever. It made it's 13 now, but it's like very few. This is not 29 teams lose every year. Like being a team that makes the playoffs every year. I think there's value in that, especially in a small market where, you can look at Philly and be like, oh, they're poised to be the next champion, but you got to face the Celtics. You got to face Golden State. You're always going to face the Spurs. Like, the Sixers will probably have a good run with this team, but by the time it's all said and done, like, who knows if they'll have won anything? So you're not guaranteed anything. So I kind of get the idea of running it back. I just don't get. They seem to be too impatient for what they're trying to do. Um, and we'll see. I think this will be a good year for them, too, because they get to kind of sink to the bottom of the conference. Before. One thing, though, I just pulled this up. Do you guys know uh, who played on the playoff team for the 2014-15 Grizzlies? The team that went 42-40 and 40 after all their players got hurt? I mean, was Vince still healthy on that team? Vince was healthy on that team. Tough. <laughs> um, God, I, I don't even know. Was it like Chalmers, Vince? Was Jermichael Green? Uh, no, he tore his Achilles. He was out. Uh, Jermichael Green was not playing. Let's hear it. Let's hear the lineup. All right. Matt Barnes. These are people who took shots and played games in the, in the four playoff sweep or four game playoff sweep. And this was 2014, 2015, or 2015, 2016. Matt Barnes, Zebo, Jordan Farmar, yeah. Lance Stevenson, Tony Allen, Vince Carter, Xavier Munford, or Xavier Munford. I was going Xavier Henry. Um, Michael Green was on here. Jarrell Martin and PJ Hairston. Like That's of it. that team, of that team, Jermichael Green's the only one still left on the team. The rest of the people are either on the Kings, the Pelicans are out of the league. <laughs> yeah, like, that's crazy. Yeah. And like they, they could have run it back play. then. They still had to re-sign Conley, but that would have been a time to go, man, we are dead in the water here. We could, you know, move and shake a little bit and revamp the team. And I guess they tried, but but they bet wrong with the great Chandler Parsons. All right. Well, I think that lineup shows that the Grizz will be back. I mean, Tom, they'll come back. Gasol's still there. They still have those two people for a little bit. So, I mean, they were playing good until Conley went down. So, I think they get the good pick, like Trent said, pull the Spurs, and then they just become the next dynasty. You heard it here first. All right, let's move on to our uh, final newsroom topic. Derek Rose injured his ankle on uh, what he thought it was a flagrant foul by uh, Greg Monroe. He's been out ever since, and now he's uh, he's just thinking about his life, what he wants to do, and uh, rehabbing. Apparently, taking a toll on him. He's been injured since he he tore his ACL like five years ago. Hasn't been the same since his MVP season. Um, now he's just wondering what he's going to do. So, couple, couple thoughts. What do you guys think? How do you feel? Do you care, Trent? Let's go back to I you. Don't care. No offense. No offense, Derek Rose. I don't care. I mean, I will say this. I wonder. Do we ever find out why he left the team last year for the Knicks? Well, I was going to actually bring was that I up. Was that ever reported? I was going to bring that up for why I don't care as well. Because as, as we're all mixed fans, he's just the first person to ever just not come to a game and not tell anybody. It was it was because of family issue, is what he said. But 
Yeah, I mean, but that's, that's vague that's, enough where it could literally be anything. That's an excuse to not come. That's not an excuse to not tell anybody you're not going to come to the game. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I've, it's, it's, what's happened to Derrick Rose is pretty unprecedented, though. Like, I can't think of a, another MVP player who just all of a sudden just was done and, like, hung around for a little bit, played for a couple more teams, did this and that, and then just was like, Everyone far and away was just like, yeah, that guy's bad. Like, he's not going to be constructive. And, you know, he lost and jumped, but he could never shoot. And I think part of this has to do with the way the game changed. Like, the fact that he couldn't shoot didn't help. Um, and he wasn't a distributing point guard either. He could just drive. And when you lose a little bit of spring, there's not much else you could do. Um, I just kind of feel bad for him. Like, it's, you know, it's supposed to be brutal to yeah, to be the MVP. have a – and then have a bunch of knee surgeries. And, and to be fair, he played it safe. You know, I remember people were being critical of him after he tore his ACL in the playoffs the following year. He didn't play at all. And people were like, won't you play? Like, you're – you should come back. We need you, yada, 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 because Tibbs was taking him to the playoffs. And he was like, no, I want to walk That's with, good. with my kids when I'm an adult. And, like, so he played it smart. He was conservative about it and then got screwed anyways and just has never been the same. And now is like, looking at – washing out of the league less than 10 years after winning the MVP, like kind of maligned and like just sad in a lot of ways. Yeah. And also one thing before I let Jake take over, I I'm pretty sure that every MVP is in the hall of fame until, until there. (laughs) Oh man. So Jake, let's see what you got. He'll, he'll be in the Hall of Fame. It's just going to be one of those basketball lifetime things because he's about to do a Starberry. He's going to go to Asia and just dominate for a while. I think that's like that's the only card he has left, I'm pretty sure. like he, He's the only one that hasn't come to grips with the fact that he's a backup NBA point guard now, which, hey, man, I get. This guy was the best player in the league, and now you know we're relegating him if we're using soccer terms now. I I don't know. I it's tough. I, you know, my heart, in my heart, I just want to say we're done with UT Rose, but like, then you actually think about it and you're like, it's kind of brutal. He, and he is obviously not handling it well, but I don't know. I, I don't handle much well either. And it's on less bigger terms than that. So I don't know, man. I, I think he's just got to, you know, go to one of those Asian leagues that Jimmer Fredette's putting up 60 a night and kind of get his confidence back, do the Starberry thing, get a statue over there or something. Because, I mean, what else can this guy do? Like, even if he's healthy, like, what he does doesn't even fit great in today's NBA. Yeah. Yes. Do you guys think Jimmer Fredette gets a musical like Stefan Marbury did? I don't see why not. <laughs> Who, who's better, Jimmer or Derek Rose? There's, there's a question. Cause like Derek, in, t- Derek, in today's Derek NBA, Rose? it's Jimmer Fredette. Oh, so Derrick Rose, not only can he not shoot, but he can't play defense at all. So He really he can't do anything except make cool combat. layups once a game. But it is, I mean, the other thing about him going to Asia is that he, it's, this seems to be about injury. So I don't, I don't think it's more he just doesn't want to play basketball anymore. So I don't, I don't think he's going to be going to Asia. I do feel bad that he got injured. Maybe. It's pretty unfortunate. Would have loved to see him just – Keep going. Love to see that Bulls team actually do something against the Miami Heat. I think a large part of the reason why I don't really care is not just because he missed that one game for the Knicks, but also because 
he's on the Cleveland Cavaliers right now, and I, I don't really like the Cavaliers. Probably if he was on any other team, I would care. But that's just my bias. All right. We got anything else to say about Derrick Rose? I, I will say, hope you get well, Derrick. Hope you keep playing. I, th I think he's got $80 million left on his uh, his his shoe deal. And all he has to yeah, do is retires. Does he have to that continue playing in the NBA. To, to, I think so. So he just has to continue being on a roster. So do the right thing, Derek. Sure just, teams, just sit on the end of a bench and collect money. Ron Baker lifestyle. All hey, right. Ron Baker staring up the G League or something. That can't possibly be true. All right. Next, <laughs> next storyline. The Oklahoma City Thunder are – are these guys ever going to figure it out? They are 8 and 11 right now. The 8 seed in the West is 9 and 11, which is the Jazz. So, they're only half a game out, but I don't think they were planning on being the 8 seed. I don't think that's what they were going for and given it's very early in the season, but the seven teams in the 1 through 7 spots are the seven good teams in the West other than the Thunder. So, are these guys going to figure it out? And if they do, we, we at the beginning of the year we were talking about these guys being second in the West behind the behind the Warriors, but that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Even even at this point, they're five games in the loss column, back of the two spot. Early. Yeah, I, I, they're they're going to figure it out, Greggy. I mean, to a degree. I mean, you you look at the teams in front of them right now. The Jazz, I I don't think there's, I don't know, they're they're playing Jazz basketball. They're nine and eleven right now. The Clippers are right below them, right below them are Clippers, Lakers, Suns, Kings, Mavericks. So nobody's jumping them. In front of them are the Jazz, the Pelicans, the Nuggets, um, T Wolves, Blazers. Blazers playing pretty good basketball right now. I mean this this team's it's only up from here. Um, you know the Jazz are the one team in front of them in the playoff race. I, I think that's a no-brainer. You know, the before we started throwing this red flag, they did beat Golden State at home, well, you know, with Golden State playing their guys. So, I mean, this team has the talent, and, I mean, I think you're looking at more of a – I think what's going to be interesting is how far can they climb and get back into this? Because, I mean, you know, two, three weeks, they, they could be back in a five, six seed type situation. If it takes them longer to figure it out – now we're talking about them getting matched up with the Rockets or Spurs or Warriors in the first round. And if you're one of those teams, you know, that's a nightmare compared to playing the Nuggets or the Pelicans or someone like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how quickly they figure it out. And when they do, you know, do some teams start playing chicken at the end of the year trying to get the better playoff matchup? I mean, out of those three, I don't – I guess, I mean, San Antonio is probably the best. But we haven't even seen Kawhi yet this season. So – I think, you know, Portland can drop and they could sneak in there, but they got to play really well. You know, we're now 19 games into the season. There's still a lot of basketball left, but starting out this slow, you know, and the issues are all crunch time related, which, you know, I don't know. Or not, they're all not all crunch time related, but that's a lot of what it has to do with. Like they've blown out a couple teams. Their point differential per game is still like almost four points positive. Like they, you know, 102, they're letting up less than 100 points a game. Like, playing good defense, they just crunch time. Last year they were super clutch. Rush was insane, and that probably wasn't sustainable. But now 
Russ, like, I don't think knows what to do. He, like, wants to be Russ, but no, he can't be Russ because he has to make, like, PG and Carmelo feel involved. And as a result, they just kind of pass the ball around it. I don't know if you guys saw the video of the Warriors laughing at him. What was it, a couple nights ago? And he just kept passing, like, literally just Steven Adams standing two feet next to him for no reason. And it, I think stuff like that is just getting in their way. They're, they're, they play good basketball for a while. They play really smart defense. They still shoot well, like – they have the tools. It's just about finding out what works and what doesn't. And they're kind of, you know, they're having bad luck in crunch time. And I think some of that will sort itself out once they, you know, they'll get more lucky, but they just need to sit down and have a conversation. Who's getting the ball? How are we doing this? And I think Donovan needs to do something else too. Cause you know, Russ is both trying to defer and not trying to defer and screwing them with a minute left. Cause they can't do anything. Yeah. I think another big thing they they do poorly is they don't take turns being bad. They all just decide to be bad on the same nights. There are two out of three of them decide to be absolutely unbelievably bad on the same night. And then Russell have a triple double that night. So they got to figure it out how to, how to, like you were saying, mix and match, just figure out who's doing what on every given night. And I mean, the talents there, my worry is looking back at, that Lakers team when they got Steve Nash and Dwight Howard, I thought that was going to be like the best team I've ever seen. And they were just, they never figured it out. Ended up being the eight seed in the, in the West. Uh, just very early exit from the, from the playoffs. So I, I could see it not working out in the end, just based on that Lakers team and based on absolutely nothing else. But, I mean, I could also see them playing well. I've defended Carmelo Anthony for his entire tenure on the New York Knicks. I think he's a good player. Or I thought he was a good player, but now that he's not on the Knicks, I think he's a bad player. <laughs> so That's tough. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, the stat I always throw out is one, one of LeBron's teams, I think it was when he went back to Cleveland, started 19-20 and 20 or something like that. Maybe it was one of the Miami teams. So there's, there's still time here. Um, <laughs> it's funny, the guy's playing bad on the same night. And I, I think the Russ's fourth quarter last year is a great point. There's, there had to be a leveling out. He he was kind of ridiculous last year. Um, nice. I, I, yeah, don't, don't give me credit for that. But, <laughs> well, um, I don't know. They're, they're going to be okay. They're going to be in the playoffs. I don't think this, like, can blow up, blow up, because everyone thinks Melo's going to opt in next year. I mean, Paul George is the huge question mark. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it could possibly get bad enough that they move Paul George. Um, I guess Donovan's the question mark. Does anyone think they'd give Donovan the axe? I, I don't think Presti's uh, a reactive guy. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think he is either. And I don't, I don't know Donovan's contract situation is. If it's, you know, I don't. OKC doesn't like to spend money as it is, so they're fairly conservative in the way they spend money. So. I don't think they're going to fire a coach unless they feel like they have to. And I don't think coaching necessarily is the issue. And whether it was Donovan, whether it was Brooks, like they've, it's when you're, it's Russ's team, it's Russ's team. And this is just kind of how it's going to go. Um, and you take the good and the bad with that. He's going to get you the playoffs probably, but you're going to also have to deal with his stuff. I I don't think they do trade Paul George. I don't think they trade Melo either, but since Melo already waived his no trade clause, they can trade him and, Having just gotten burned by Durant, you know, I think OKC was totally fine trading for Paul George and giving up Oladipo and Sabonis. Obviously, it looks not great now because Oladipo and Sabonis are playing really well, but 
I think they're okay doing that. They took a flyer on Paul George. Maybe we can lock them both in, and this will be totally worth it. If not, we clean cap on a $20 million Odipo deal we didn't want. And, you know, we got rid of a stretch for a young player who's proving to be more than that, but at least in their system wasn't amounting more than a couple threes and zero free throws a game. Um, I don't think Presti wants to take the risk of losing an asset. And if Paul George isn't going to resign and they continue to struggle, and if they're sitting around the eight seed, maybe they do trade Paul George. Maybe they do trade Melo because they can just say, we'll trade you, we'll get some assets back, and then we'll be able to restart next year and try to build a more complete team around Russ instead of shoehorning stars who maybe don't necessarily fit with him. And I don't necessarily think Paul George and Melo don't fit. I think they could fit. They just haven't fit yet. But if you can get an asset back for a player you don't think is going to resign with you, I don't see – and if you don't think you have a shot at making the title, I don't see the reason not to trade him. Yeah, definitely Melo too. I could I could see them, like even if they were fringing it, try to turn Melo into like two rotation players because they got no depth. They got – Jeremy Grant is, like, one of their players. I was watching a game, and Alex Sabrinas is, is, like, a crunch time player on their team. And he is – shouldn't be in the NBA, to be honest with you guys. I mean, he could be. He could have Ron Baker's spot on the Knicks bench, but that's, <laughs> that's about his – How dare his, you. His talent level in the NBA. Um, Ray Felton. <laughs> Ray Felton, the backup point guard. All right, let's 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 get off the bad stuff and move on to the, to the good stuff. The Cleveland Cavaliers started out cold. They were five and seven, which is under five hundred. They are now thirteen and seven on an eight-game win streak, and they currently lead the Miami Heat seventy-five to forty-nine at halftime. And Ooh, Kevin Love scored twenty-two points in a big first quarter. So, are these guys back? But before before you answer that, I'm going to read you off the teams that they beat. The Mavericks by seven, the Knicks by three, the Hornets by eight, the Clippers by five, the Pistons by 28, the Nets by 10, the Hornets by one, and the 76ers by 22. So they got two like good wins in there. They blew out the 76ers and the Pistons. And I mean, I guess we'll call those good wins right now because both those teams are playing well. But I'm not convinced both those teams are actually good at basketball. But the rest of those teams, other than the Knicks, are not good. At, are not good teams, and those were all like pretty close games. So I'm yeah, sure they're, they're playing, blowing out the heat now. I guess. Yeah, they're blowing out the heat now. Who are also like starting to figure it out, okay. but they have not entirely figured it out. I'll say. But, I mean, that's just a, that's a good schedule, and they've taken advantage of it, but they have not played anybody who you would think would actually be in the hunt for anything. So is this – are they back? Or could they – are they back? Trent? I mean, they're, 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 they're back as – they have LeBron, and that's all that really matters in terms of getting their way through the Eastern Conference Finals – you know, we're getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, I guess we can discuss talking about how good we think the Celtics are. But, I mean, they have LeBron, they have LeBron, they have LeBron. And, like, it doesn't really matter. who you're, If you put shooters around them, the defense will get slightly better in the playoffs. They'll Hopefully they'll make more shots. I think, you know, Dwayne Wade isn't great by any means, but he's 
crafty in a word. I mean, and we'll see what happens when Isaiah Thomas comes back too. He's not helping their defense at all, but at least he's not Jose Calderon, who currently is their only point guard on their team because um, their backup point guard is basically Dwayne Wade. Um, they have work to do. I don't know if they have a move to make. I don't see them trading that Nets pick for anybody because, I mean, I guess maybe they would for Paul George if he became available, but, like, I don't <laughs> – I don't know if, if the Cavs want to do that. If they don't think they can beat the Celtics, if they don't think they can beat the Warriors, if they think LeBron's going to walk in a year, which he very well might, given, you know, your team is a bunch of 37-year-olds, Ante Zizic and Seti Osman. Like, I'm not sure what else you're looking to do. And if he's going to walk, then they need to have something to restart the franchise. But, and they can re-sign Isaiah Thomas and keep Kevin Love and get a top draft pick and be sitting there looking or at least competitive in the East. But, you know, I guess that's more of a separate issue. At least in the meantime, they'll be hot now. They'll probably slow back down again around the all-star break and they'll, you know, end the season strong and they'll make a hard push through the playoffs because they have LeBron and we'll see what happens when they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, you know, LeBron, LeBron's a big fan of calling himself brilliant. And I I normally shy away from that, but I'll, I'll feed him a little bit here because even when they were doing their slow start – they were beating like the good teams. Like they beat the they beat the Celtics opening night. They beat the Bucks. Um, who else did they beat? Uh, the they beat the Warriors. Beat the Wizards. I don't think or they the beat Wizards. the Warriors. Yeah, the, not not the Warriors. Excuse me. I was I was thinking of the old Washington Bullets. I just combined that team name. Um, but it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Like you wonder if LeBron's like you know what the, the Knights were playing the guys that are kind of mad. Let's try some different stuff or something like that. I don't know. Like it, I feel like now I'm giving LeBron too much credit. Like I I I think it's just not bringing it some nights. I I think Trent had the best point with you know the Cleveland Cavaliers have LeBron James, so that's huge for them. Um, and yeah, I think I think what you're going to see is they're going to keep tinkering with stuff. I I don't know if they have a game plan seating wise, if they care, I think they still don't because <laughs> of the LeBron factor. Um, I would say the the thing to watch out, I think they're going to keep playing good basketball. I think they're starting to figure it out. Their three-point shooters are hot. When Corver has a good night, it feels like that team's really tough to beat, which, I'm, I mean, getting Kyle Corver an open shot is pretty easy to do, again, with that LeBron guy. So I, I don't know. I think – it's it's going to be Cleveland's going to do Cleveland things. If they want to win the East, they can. If they don't, they won't. Um, the the thing that's going to be interesting is when IT comes back, you know, how, how much of a focus are they going to put on just, like, getting him right? Because he's, <laughs> like, you know, help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope. That's that's what they're banking on right now. So I that's, that's kind of what to watch for in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, they – I, I mean, LeBron's a beast, and the other guys, you know, when Channing Fry can come in and go three or four on threes, like stuff like that, like that's just crippling if you're the other team. So, yeah, and a couple things. Um, they lost that the win over the Celtics opening night. I, I think we could probably just throw that out the the window for obvious reasons. Uh, second, they have won eight in a row, and I know I was complaining about who they've played, but. They didn't lose any of those games, so can't can't really complain. Then the third thing, though, is the first three quarters of that Knicks game a couple weeks ago, the Cavaliers looked absolutely, unbelievably bad at basketball. And I haven't really been keeping watching them play ever since, and they've, they've won eight in a row starting with that game. But those Cavaliers, 
uh, they looked really, really bad. And if their their shooters aren't hitting every single shot, and in the playoffs, people are closing out. Uh, no, people aren't going to leave Kyle Korver. I know he can run off screens with the best of them, but he's not going to have the the same spot up shots that he's that he's been getting with without without running off screens. So that's something to look out for in the future. And uh, my my next question is. Can the Celtics hang with the with these Cavaliers? Uh, Celtics are obviously the best team in the NBA right now by record. Maybe not by who you would not want to play, but they are eighteen and four with the best record in the NBA. They have the best defense in the NBA. They have the best coach in the NBA, maybe, other than maybe Popovich. Hornacek, you mean? Other than maybe Hornacek. So, our are we, are we ready to believe that these Boston Celtics, even without Gordon Hayward, could could do something in the playoffs? Could they make it to the NBA Finals? Well, Greg, Greg, I'm gonna, you know, I I I, I host sometimes when we do talking Knicks and a lob, um, couple couple different pods. So I, I I love the segue game, and I I think something that you just mentioned, playoff basketball is different than regular season basketball, and I. I don't know if there's another comparison in sports that that really lives up to it, but like you said, Corver's going to get tougher shots in the playoffs, and you know I think that's that's a fair assessment. You you just don't know to what degree. It depends on game plans, defenders, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, some of the guys that get buckets on a regular basis for this Boston team, like when it comes playoff time, like do we really think like? You know, my boy Tias, if that's how you say it, is going to get buckets. Oh, I mean, Daniel, Daniel Tees, Tees, I think it's Tice. Tice, Tice. Um, you know, no disrespect. I, I mean, the dude went like he just has these casual games where he goes like six for six, and you're like, oh, Tice got us again. Um, like in the playoffs, that's not going to happen. Like, I, I don't know. I, you know, Abdel Nader, Ojale. I mean, Marcus Smart is a potential. <laughs> if this was first take, I would say Marcus Spart is a potential playoff losing player. Like I, I realize he's going to play mad dog defense and, you know, he gets the energy going, but he can also give you a three for 12 real quick. Um, so I, I just don't know. I mean, Jalen Brown has been balling. Um, I Tatum's got to hit a little bit of a rookie rut at a certain point. And at the end of the day, he's still a rookie in the playoffs. Um, you know, we, we, when you look at the advanced stats, Al Horford's the best player in the league, you know, me and Greggy are eye test guys. He's not, um, I, I don't know. Come it's, it's the LeBron. I mean, right now it's going to be the Celtics in Cleveland. And if anyone had to put money on it, you're taking the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, I think I will say the one thing that even LeBron might underestimate is, you know, you get a Boston fan base going, those people get rowdy, they get intense. Uh, the garden's going to be rocking, but you, I don't think LeBron fully gets little brother Kyrie. I could see Kyrie having some nights where he, you know, you could be looking at 50 point playoff games. Um, and then, you know, you're going to see LeBron do that thing in his eyes where it looks like he kind of turns into a robot and then he's going to start doing stupid things to them. So 
until that happens, I I mean, yeah, I I, I mean, just looking at their box scores on a I, again, give tons of credit to Brad Stevens, but looking at their box score on like certain nights is just wild. I I watched the game where Aaron Baines was their leading scorer, and like again, mm-hmm. playoffs that <laughs> that ain't gonna travel. Um, so that's that's my Celtics rant. Yeah, I'm. I'm I'm King Celtics hater. No, I I don't know. They're they'll be good, but LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. All right, I got a couple. I got a couple quick things to add. Uh, Marcus Smart yesterday went six for nine from three, and the Celtics lost. So that's pretty funny. You see that? You see that ESPN article that says that's talking about how how he's horrible, but Marcus he's great. He's horrible, but his horribleness makes the Celtics good. Yeah. It's like the worse he shoots, the better they play. Like that makes that, that's a good article. Nope. And the nope. second, the second thing I got to say is, is this this little brother Kyrie thing? I think Kyrie is going to play like he hit the game-winning shot of the NBA Finals against the best team ever, and LeBron got all the credit. He's probably going to play with that that chip on his shoulder. So. I agree with Jake. Watch out for Kyrie. He's a he's a really good player, especially when the lights are on. He uh in that finals he decided when they went down three one, he finally decided to play defense and that helped lead them to, to, to the eventual game seven victory. And then this year Brad Stevens already got him playing defense, so he'll he'll be good. What do you what do you think, Trent? Any any final thoughts before we move on? I mean, I'm, I'm, I tend to agree. And at the end of the day, until someone proves they can beat LeBron in the conference finals, then I, I have no reason necessarily to believe that anyone else is going to beat them. I mean, he's been in the finals seven straight times, and I don't think he or anyone on the Cavs believes it's going to be anything else but an eighth. But to the Celtics' credit, they do have two things Cavs don't have. And one of those is great coaching. And that's no offense to Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue's a decent coach, but – you're paying, playing LeBron 38 minutes a night on a team that is still struggling sometimes to squeak out wins against ungreat teams. And that's because you don't have anybody else on your team who can help them out. And IT will help that. But, you know, they're so wor- – you know, if you go to the playoffs in the finals seven straight times, these guys are tired. They're all tired. And LeBron claims he's not. He says he's fine. And, they're, and he says his minutes aren't an issue. But he has to play that many minutes because everyone else on their team is also old and needs to sit. And when you get 82 games into a season and there's no young players on that team to spell any of these old guys, I'm curious to see what kind of shape Dwayne Wade's in in, in June. I'm curious – in May. I'm curious to see what kind of shape Kyle Corver's in in May. I'm curious to see what kind of shape Jose Calderon is in if he's still playing and Jeff Green in May. He won't, and, he won't be. We don't have to worry about Jose Calderon. Yeah. <laughs> he, he may but, very well not be on know, the team. But the Celtics, you know – who, you know, Kyrie, I don't think Kyrie's played the best basketball yet for the Celtics, even though the team's played really well. Uh, but they have youth and they have length and they have athleticism. And if you watch that Golden State Celtics game, the Celtics won, Jalen Brown was a terror and was harassing everybody. And if they work hard and they play hard and, and they Brad Stevens coaches them up, I don't necessarily know the Celtics win because it's just it's hard to stop LeBron when LeBron wants to impose his will. But they're going to steal some games. And if – you know, they start shooting well, and, and Marcus Smart goes six for nine and three. I know they lost the other night when he did that, but I don't see a reason why if things come together for the Celtics and everything coalesces how it's been so far, the Celtics are is just as much as a team to beat 
is the Cavs. And I say that knowing that the Cavs are still the team to beat, but the Celtics are making every reason to doubt that that's the case and will continue for an eighth year. Yeah, and one thing that, that kind of hurts your brain to think about is that these teams made it <clears> – <throat> they made that Kyrie for, for Isaiah Thomas trade. So in one game last year in the playoffs, the Cavaliers beat the Isaiah Thomas-led – Celtics by 44 points. So is is uh is Isaiah Thomas like I know he led the Celtics to the conference finals, but in the East when there weren't really that many teams. But is is he a playoff player if his team can lose by 44 points to these Cavs? How much did Kyrie have to do with with that? Was it all LeBron? It's it hurts to think about because. You're, you're, you're making one argument for one team, but it's also the same argument for the other team. But that's why it? I think Isaiah is such an important issue though, for the Cavs. Like, if he can come back healthy, that's a big thing for them going to the playoffs. It doesn't help their defense at all, but neither does Jose Calderon. But it gives someone else for LeBron to give the ball to. Without Isaiah Thomas, that team is LeBron and a bunch of guys who can shoot threes. And that's it. And they're old guys who can shoot threes. But if they're not coming off screens well, if they're not hitting their shots, it's not like that team's going to shut you down on defense when all they have is LeBron. Like, even someone else, and that is why they can beat Celtics by 44 because they had Kyrie to spell him. And I don't think Isaiah Thomas – I mean, I, I do think Isaiah Thomas can do something similar to that, um, but they're going to need him big time in order to survive. So someone else can score if LeBron's on the floor or if LeBron's not shooting or just to give them another option to make it harder on the defense. All right. Well, let's move on to our final topic of the night, the Houston Rockets are the best team in the Western Conference. They've won 12 out of their last 13 games. Are they the real deal? Can they beat the the Golden State Warriors? Chris Paul just came back in his first game back. The Warriors or the the Rockets scored 90 points in the first half against the Phoenix Suns. They can score the basketball. No questions asked. Can they play defense? well enough. I mean, Chris Paul is an all-NBA defender. James Harden is all-NBA, not defender. So, can these guys hang with the Warriors in a seven-game series? Are they the team in the West that you would you would pick to face the Warriors in the conference finals? Jake? It's it's tough, right? Because you, you almost have this, like, I don't know. With Houston, like, you need to see... You, you expect the worst and the best at the same time. Like if Houston were to get the two seed and get matched up with OKC as the seventh seed, you'd be like, Jesus, Houston, don't blow it against OKC. And then you'd like kind of expect they would, right? Like they, they just don't, there's part of you that feels like they don't have that clutch gene, whether you want to blame it on Harden or supporting cast in past years. This year, you know, they've got Chris Paul, but at the same time you're saying, man, if Houston got the Warriors, they might be able to do it. So, like, you're saying this is the team that you think could get upset pretty easily or this is the seed that can kind of take down the t- team that could take down the NBA. I mean, I right now I love it. I mean, I just love – I mean, this sounds kind of dumb, but, like, efficient, efficient basketball – <laughs> I guess racking up assists and stat numbers. I know 
Greg and I were obsessed with the the 2000s point guards that put up stats and didn't do anything like Baron Davis, Gilbert Arenas, those guys Baron like Davis. yeah, I mean those that's that's what basketball that's a lot of basketball. Um but I mean, you know, James Harden casually over 20 games averaging 31 5 and 10. Um Greg you mentioned what Chris Paul did. He's over the past 2 weeks he's leading the league in assists. Um you know, only in the past two weeks, Chris Paul, five games, 12 points, 11 assists per game, um, which I don't know. It's kind of funny. We'll we'll see if the scoring comes around for him a little bit. Maybe there there will just be nights for him, something like that. Man, I I don't know. They're, they're the biggest team. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how the playoff draw comes out, right? Because say, I mean, if they get OKC in the first round, you're going to be worried, like, has – have Russ, Carmelo, and PG figured it out to enough where they could take them down? And then, you know, Harden had that horrific uh, <laughs> playoff game to end their season last year. But, like, I, I don't know. If this if the Rockets were to get, again, looking at the bottom, if they get the Jazz, the Pelicans, or the Nuggets, I mean, I, I think they roll any of those teams easily. If they end up bumping into the T Wolves or Thunder, you start getting a little scared, right? You're like, I've I've kind of seen this song and dance. They could blow this. The Spurs might be in their head. God, that that Warrior series would just be awesome. And I mean, I, I, you know, Steph Curry got so much love that now he gets hate. And I I like making the comparison that you know if you switched. You know, when you start playing the if you switch guys in the NBA, like if you switch Damian Lillard and Steph Curry, what? really happens you miss a couple fancy passes I mean I I I don't know I I could see Chris Paul and James Harden really taking that to heart um they're they're an absolute threat I I think it's it it depends unfortunately for them and maybe they'll play me out of this psyche it depends what their draw looks like all right I could see that and one thing to think about is the Rockets two years ago, or maybe three years ago, were in the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors. I think it was three years ago, because then the next year they were the eight seed again. And then last year, they were the three seed in the East, but they were also the three seed in the entire NBA. They had the third best record in the league, and they added Chris Paul to the third best team in the NBA. So that's... That's got to mean something. They have to be somewhere up there, I would imagine. I don't know if they can win, but three-pointers are are very painful. And they... Worth, worth more than two. Yeah, they fire them away. They, they shoot, I think, over 50% of their shots are three-pointers. So, Trent, what do you think? And Greg, it- Greg, if you remember, four years ago was the year that uh, Josh Smith and Corey Brewer took down the Clippers in game – was it game six or was it game seven? And James Harden was on the bench the entire time. Yeah, um, that was great. I don't, think, I don't think Rockets fans will ever forget that. And it didn't help last year when in their last game against the Spurs, he just basically disappeared. And I forget what his stat line was, but it was uh, – Bad. It was not great. And, and you know, I, I think – I like to think those games are anomalies, but it's weird that those two anomalies came in the biggest possible games. Um, so that's something to worry about, but I do think by adding Chris Paul, you 
you don't necessarily, if that is an issue, you don't necessarily solve it because it's impossible to tell. And also because Chris Paul hasn't exactly fared as well as he would have wanted to in the playoffs either, maybe by bad luck, but he hasn't proven it necessarily either. But Dane Tony knows what he's doing. And, and I pulled up in preparation for the pod. Um, I pulled up this Zach Lowe tweet today where it says, uh, Houston is plus 54 in 59 minutes when Chris Paul plays without Harden. So if you play them together, they can both shoot. They're both smart players. They will be good. If you play Harden without Chris Paul, which they've done for a lot of the season, really good. And apparently if you play Chris Paul without James Harden with this team, really, really, really good. And he has 65 assists, seven turnovers in his six games this season. All of them are wins. They've done They've done everything to prove they are the real deal. And I, I can't imagine a, a really young T-Wolves team that struggled to play defense. Would they be able to beat them in the playoffs? OKC has done nothing to prove they would be able to beat them in the playoffs. They're really talented, but they need to do more than that. I, you know, never count out the Spurs, but outside of Golden State, I can't – this team definitely has the best formula to win playoff games. And that is great three-point shooting, great defense. P.J. Tucker's a maniac. And Bob Mute is a maniac. Clint Capella is great at blocking shots. He's down there running the round, and he does his job. He's not looking for post touches. He just does alley-oops, defense, and and blocks, and that's all he's doing down there. And assuming Chris Paul and Harden stay healthy, assuming James Harden doesn't fall apart, you know, once again, playoff basketball is different than regular season basketball, but they're playing the kind of games where I don't – I think this will travel. I think this will be successful in the playoff model, and they have – not great depth, but they're deeper than they thought. You know, you forget Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson are still on this team too. They got a lot of bodies they can throw out there. And they may be a team that still has a move left to make to add another piece. Um, maybe they bring Lou Williams back. Maybe they try to bring another um, – if, if the Clippers decide to trade him, maybe they try for another defensive player, another backup center. We'll see what happens to Nene. You know, the, the gray dreads still going at it. Um, but I like the season team, and I think that they – outside of Golden State, they are the teams to beat in the West. And we still have not seen Spurs with Kawhi. Honestly, even though Kawhi is one of the best players in the NBA, we can see the Spurs having basically the same record today that they do with or without Kawhi. They they just put it all together, and they got Brandon Paul going out there shooting 15 points a game and just killing teams. So, Pop's being Pop. Pop going Pop. Whoa. All right, Jake, you got some final thoughts? Man, my my final thought is I, I'll I'll I don't know I'll for I've been giving Houston a lot of love. I it would be great to see them do a lot of stuff just because Houston's the first team that like going with how many threes they shoot going into a given night you you kind of don't think the game's like in your hands like you know we're we're Knicks guys like it's not like okay if Porzingis has a big night Tim Hardaway Jr. plays well. And you can, you know, if if you can limit James Harden, you might have a game. It's like, no, like, they're going to shoot their threes. And if they go in, <laughs> we lose. If they don't, like, we're – it's – I don't know. It's just – it's a weird mindset. And it's also like, you know, the big man is becoming the dinosaur of the NBA a little bit. And, like, Houston cracks me up because it's borderline rude. It's like, okay, Nene, Capella, don't care. Go in, do the same thing. I – I don't care which one of you's in right now. Just be big for a little bit. Um, it'd be funny to see if teams start doing that. Like, just get get two and a half centers, make them do the exact same thing while everyone else jacks threes around you. Um, so I I don't know. Go go the ball. I guess is my final thought. All right, and uh, 
I'll wrap it up with this. My final thought on this topic, and then I'll wrap up the whole thing. Trent mentioned Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon was playing like an all-star while Chris Paul was out. And being able to move a player who was playing like an all-star to the bench is is big time. And so if he's gonna he's reigning sixth man of the year, so he, he is a good player. Watch out for him. And playing with Chris Paul while James Harden's on the bench is is a dangerous uh, second unit. And that's all I have for this week. So to wrap it up, uh, this has been a lot of basketball. We're going to be posting these pods every uh, Thursday, I think we decided. It used to be on Wednesday. We're moving them to Thursday. we got the other pod, uh, Talking Knicks, where we talk about the best team in the NBA, the New York Knicks. Maybe not by record, but not by any other measure either. But they're still good. Um, and that's all I got for you. So, hey, thanks for great, great debut, Trent. Great as always, Jake. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Trent Love Davies. it. Go basketball. Call Will Pope. <laughs>